just released, which criticizes President Trump on his approach to the coronavirus and makes a passionate case for Joe Biden and his approach. That's right. Miss Obama urging Americans to vote for Biden, like, quote, your lives depend on it. Let's go to MJ Lee. She has more on this video. It is interesting because she, remember when, like, in those big speeches, she did, never said Trump's name. She just said, we go high when they go low, etc. And she doesn't love politics, but she is digging in on this one. That's right. I mean, if we could get a sign that we are just four weeks out from the election, and it really is uh, game time for the Biden campaign, uh, this taped message from former First Lady Michelle Obama, it is direct to camera. It is almost 24 minutes long, and it really is an urgent plea to the American people to get out and vote, not just for anyone, but of course for Joe Biden, uh, and making the case uh, in not mincing her words at all uh, against President Trump and the state of the country uh, under President Trump. Remember, uh, the former First Lady is one of the most popular and well-known national Democrats in the country. And when she gave that speech at the Democratic National Convention, it was one of the most memorable speeches uh, of the week. Uh, I just want you to take a listen uh, to a part of her speech where she talks about chaos in the country and a president who she says isn't up to the job. Believe it or not, the election is right around the corner. Votes are already being cast. And if you're still deciding who to vote for or whether to vote at all, I wanted to take a moment to remind you what's at stake and to urge you to make a plan to vote today. Because let's be honest, right now our country is in chaos because of a president who isn't up to the job. And if we want to regain any kind of stability We've got to ensure that every eligible voter is informed and engaged in this election because the stakes are on display every day, not just in the headlines, but in our families. If you're a parent like me, you're feeling the consequences of this president's failure to take this pandemic seriously from his constant downplaying of the importance of masks and social distancing to his relentless pressure on schools to open without offering a clear plan or meaningful support to keep students and teachers safe. Look, our daughters are in college now, and luckily they're taking classes from home this semester. But in just a few weeks since schools have resumed, many of their friends who return to campus have either tested positive or are living with someone who has. Yeah, the former first lady also addressed the racial tensions in the country and said that under President Trump, the, con the country will continue to spiral out of control. Here's a little bit more from her speech. So I want to appeal for some empathy here, too. I want everyone who is still undecided to think about all those folks like me and my ancestors the moms and dads who work their fingers to the bone to raise their kids right, the teenagers who wear hoodies while working hard to get their diplomas, the millions of folks who look like me and fought and died and toiled as slaves and soldiers and laborers to help build this country. Put yourselves in our shoes for just a moment. Imagine how it feels to wake up every day and do your very best to uphold the values that this country claims to hold dear. Truth, honor, 
decency, only to have those efforts met by scorn, not just by your fellow citizens, but by a sitting president. Hmm. Imagine how it feels to have suspicion cast on you from the day you were born, hmm. simply because of the hue of your skin. Hmm. To walk around your own country scared that someone's unjustified fear of you could put you in harm's way. Terrified of what four more years of this kind of division might mean for the safety of you and those you love. Living with the knowledge that no matter how hard we try, how much good we do in the world, there will be far too many who will never see our humanity, who will project on us their own fears of retribution for centuries of injustice and thus only see us as a threat to be restrained. And we know what happens next. A racial slur from a passing car, mm -hmm. a job promotion that never comes, a routine traffic stop gone wrong, maybe a knee to the neck. Mm. Racism, fear, division. These are powerful weapons, and they can destroy this nation if we don't deal with them head on. So I want to ask every single American, no matter what party you normally vote for, to please take a moment to pause. Click off the news. Think about how you felt over these last four years, how quickly things have turned. And then think about what the next four years could mean for our country's future. The message we will send to our children about who we are and what we truly value. Think about what would possibly compel you to accept this level of chaos, violence, and confusion under this president and be willing to watch our country continue to spiral out of control. Because we can no longer pretend that we don't know exactly who and what this president stands for. Search your hearts and your conscience. And then vote for Joe Biden like your lives depend on it. CNN Politics, Michelle Obama's blunt message when you're 50 plus, about Trump. Let's try from the beginning. When you're 50 plus, the important part is the plus. Switch to consumer cellular and get talk, text, and data for $20 a month. Plus, no contract. Plus, AARP members get special discounts. It all adds up to amazing value. Switch today. You can try and see if we not holding back in a okay. video just released, which criticizes we heard the whole President thing. Trump on his approach to the coronavirus and makes They have a, a list. And so you can't take that CNN knowledge videos. away from people. And the numbers that you're seeing this morning, just out this morning, a new CNN poll, 
reflect that. Well, how could it possibly be working? There's the horse race, 57% to 41%, the biggest lead we've seen uh, for Joe Biden. And this poll was taken after that uh, widely panned, horrific debate performance from the president. And then it, uh, over the weekend, his uh, in just his behavior that just, I don't know how anyone could feel anything other than unsettled uh, in this moment. Coronavirus is the issue facing every American right now, unlike any other. And Joe Biden in our poll is scoring well ahead of Donald Trump in uh, who would be able to handle coronavirus better. But there, what is so astonishing here, you see right there, 59% uh, to 38% Biden versus Trump on coronavirus. On health care, 59% to 39%. I mean, only the economy is Donald Trump really competitive on the issue set uh, with uh, Joe Biden. But the front and center issue is coronavirus. And by the way, the president's own diagnosis and hospitalization uh, made that fact even more so. And that will be true uh, through the duration of this election, no matter how much he's tried to distract. And John, when you read that tweet about her immunity this morning and the flu, it's not that long ago that he told Bob Woodward how much worse this is than the flu. So what, what exactly is that comparison serving him now? We know what he thinks about coronavirus uh, being so much worse than the flu because he said it and he's on tape saying it. Look, the president says he's gone to school on coronavirus. It's clear that school is Trump University. <laughs> this November, the question isn't what is on the line. It's who. It's time for a president with a plan. <laughs> so we learned this morning that the White House has refused an offer from the CDC to help contact trace the outbreak that has taken place in the White House. The New York Times is reporting they're not even trying to contact trace the Amy Coney Barrett event where there were people who were inside, not to mention packed into the Rose Garden there. Carl, one of the things I've heard you say before is follow the lines. <laughs> follow, follow the, the money. Follow the money. Follow the lies and follow the science. That's that's where we are in terms of, of this president right now. The, the other thing is, is about what's going on in terms. We have a government in quarantine right now, and increasingly we're going to have a government in quarantine because of the reckless recklessness of this president. But really, his whole reaction to COVID, going back to when and when he talked to Bob Woodward, has been homicidal negligence. <laughs> standing on the balcony uh, and issuing tweets uh, saying don't be afraid of COVID. Tell that to the survivors of these people who are living with what this terrible scourge did to their parents, to their brothers, to their sisters. Uh, and this president in his mental state demonstrably in denial or just lying as he, as he often does. <laughs>
CNN has a long list of, of videos they're playing. Public service is in my, back my back. blood. My grandfather was a firefighter. Between my all the ads, between all the ads, we'll hear their perspective on the issues. Interesting journey. I learned a lot about COVID. I learned it by really going to school. This is the real school. This isn't the let's read the book school. Mm -hmm. And I get it. And I understand it. Yeah, on Sunday, it seemed like Trump might have learned something, even if it took personal experience to make him relate to more than 210,000 dead Americans. <laughs> then came Monday with Trump tweeting, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. Now, perhaps fortified with chemical courage, courtesy of steroids, Trump defied medical norms and returned to the White House, despite the fact that his doctor admitted that he's not entirely out of the woods and that the president is still likely contagious. Make no mistake, the Trump White House is a COVID-19 hotspot. We know more than a dozen people in his orbit who have tested positive. But they're not even doing thorough contract tracing, or contrary to their own guidelines. And it's far from the only pandemic protocol they've broken. From the beginning, the Trump White House has not been honest with the American people about COVID-19. And I'm not just talking about Trump calling it totally under control and praising China's response while privately telling Bob Woodward it was deadly stuff and the plague. Americans learned that whole text came down with COVID from reporters at Bloomberg News, not the White House. Her colleagues reportedly found out in media as well. According to a source in the Wall Street Journal, when Trump found out an advisor had COVID, his impulse was obstruction. Don't tell anyone. But a handful of White House officials did know about Hope Six diagnosis before Trump potentially exposed some 200 of his donors. We still don't know when Trump's last negative test occurred. His doctor says he doesn't want to look backward, which seems to be Trump's speak for telling the truth will get me in trouble. <laughs> Trump reportedly has already received a positive test when he told Sean Hannity he was still waiting. By Friday morning, we were told the president had mild symptoms and was in good spirits before he was airlifted to Walter Reed after being put on oxygen. The next day, Trump's doctor tried to put a positive spin on the situation, while his chief of staff admitted the president's vitals over the last 24 hours were very concerning. Now, Trump's reaction to someone telling the truth was fury. Who the F said that, he said, according to a source in the Wall Street Journal. Then, the president was bolstered by a cocktail of drugs, but notably not hydroxychloroquine that he couldn't stop boosting all summer. We were fed pictures of Trump getting back to work at the hospital and footage of him being driven around outside to wave at supporters. Trump apparently decided he didn't like the optics, so he decided to leave after three days. They filmed a video saying, and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. Yeah, strongly suggesting he didn't learn so much after all. Promising that vaccines are coming momentarily by trying to overrule new guidelines for safety checks. But this is all more of the same. Donald Trump doesn't care about the safety of his staff or donors. Doesn't care about science. He cares about himself. Remember that recent study that suggested Trump is likely the largest driver of COVID misinformation? It doesn't look like he's going to be knocked out of that top spot anytime soon. And that's your reality check, guys. Reality check. Reality check. That's in short supply and... That particular individual's case. I'm Devin Bobbitt in Sydney.
Abuja, Iraq, northern Syria, Lagos, Nigeria, Stockholm, outside London, CNN, Sao Paulo, Brazil, in Mexico City. This is CNN. Yeah, nearly two-thirds of Americans in this poll, Jake, say no. Uh, the president has acted irresponsibly, 63%, in terms of how he is handling the risk of infection to others that were around him and in contact with him. Only a third of those polled uh, say that he acted responsibly, Jake. How about the kind of information that Americans are getting out of the White House? Do they trust what they're hearing about the president's health? Only 12% in this poll, Jake, say they believe and trust almost all of the information they're getting from the White House about the president's health. But take those bottom two numbers, 68%, nearly 7 in 10 in this poll, only trust some or none of what they are hearing. Most of what they're hearing they don't trust uh, in terms of what the White House is saying about the president's health. Well, those are bad numbers, although not unexpected given how the White House has handled this crisis. What do they these new numbers tell us uh, about how many Americans approve of how President Trump is handling the virus. Yeah, these numbers uh, for the president, Jake, are going in the wrong direction, precisely at the worst possible political moment for him, of course, being a month away from Election Day. Sixty percent now disapprove of the way the president has handled the coronavirus outbreak. Only 37 percent approve. Look at that disapproval number over time, Jake. That 60 percent mark now it's a high watermark of disapproval on the major issue in America today. Uh, you see it climbing April, May, June. You can see throughout now it's 60 percent uh, disapproval on the issue that is defining his reelection effort. And David, these polls also have some concerning new numbers about how many people say they will get a coronavirus vaccine should there be in a, a safe and effective one. Jake, this may be the most disheartening information in this poll. Look overall. Only 51% of Americans say, yes, if there was a low-cost vaccine for coronavirus available now, uh, they would take it. 45%, nearly half the country, say no, they wouldn't take it. Well, numbers like that, the vaccine doesn't work. And by the way, if, if you look at that 51% number being willing to take it, uh, that's a negative trend also. Fewer and fewer people over time, if you go back and look, it was at 66%, yes, in Okay, this is too hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Simply because uh, that's just sort of ridiculous when you think that they need at least another year to find something safe and, safe and effective. And then the experts have already said that they won't reach Dr. Redfield, I think, of the CDC, the head of the CDC said, even when they reach the uh, safe, safety and efficacy uh, vaccine, that the vaccine, everyone won't develop immunity from the, from the vaccine. The, the, uh, the rate of those that will develop immunity from that vaccine is very low. He didn't even put it at 50%. If I recall, it was 40% or lower. Just not all vaccines work for everybody. So to run around in circles talking about polls and that kind of stuff is just foolish. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if they, he's intentionally trying to, 
to play that game or what's going on there. But uh, let's see if we can find something that makes sense. <laughs> they already know what to expect from Trump, so you know why get up in a lather over another nonsensical argument? His son has already said, you know, that it's that the dad is talking crazy and it's everybody knew that before he had COVID that he wasn't talking like he had good sense. That has nothing to do with COVID. Still trying to find something that's that's worth our time. I know tonight there's the debate between the vice presidential candidates Pence and Harris. It's nine p.m. back there on the East Coast, it's only, I mean, it's 9.22 back there on the East Coast, so it's only 6.22 here on the West Coast. Let's check out the, uh, <coughs> let's check out the local TV station and see if they have, uh, have the debate running so we can hear some of that. Tell you the truth. It's not something that I really enjoy listening to. <laughs> because uh, it just really doesn't seem like it's Something that really adds value to to our votes. I mean, some people feel like there's something they want to hear, something they it might inspire them, encourage them to vote for either candidate. But um, that is not something that really works for me. I mean it might tell me a little bit about how the person uh, debates. It might tell me about their style and how they debate, but that's about it. Other than that, I don't find those um, I don't find those helpful if I've already had a chance to observe the candidates in their political roles like Pence and uh, Harris. We've already had a chance to see them. Harris was, uh, Kamala Harris was our 
uh, state attorney general in California for years before she went to the White House as a senator and before she was a state attorney general. I think she was a ooh, Sacramento, San Francisco, somewhere up there. Northern California, she was a uh, practicing attorney or prosecutor, so she knows her way around government. You know, and so does Pence. He was in, in in Indiana, I think, governor or something like that. We know they have experience. Let's listen to the Dodgers, Dave Roberts. Talk about the Dodgers. And then, you know, the compete and the desire for, for Clef to be out there on the mound um, tonight. Um, I, I think two times through is fair. Um, you know, but if it's longer, uh, we'll, we'll certainly adjust. And if it's shorter, that's certainly a good thing for the Dodgers. Couple of updates for the NLDS. Gavin Lux and reliever Dylan Floro added to the roster. Kybert Ruiz and Edwin Rios were left off. Ruiz injured his groin during Sunday's workout. Astros and A's from the stadium, I hate to tell you, but the Astro bats are waking up at the right time. George Springer had a pair of home runs. That's three in the last two games. And we're sure someone isn't banging on garbage cans out there, are they? We may need an investigation. Maybe the I team. Astros won it 5-2. to two. They'll go for the sweep tomorrow. Hopefully leave town and never, ever come back. Game one, Braves and Marlins. Ronald Acuna, a bat flip after leading off the game with a mammoth home run. Then he got plunked at his next at-bat. Acuna said after the game, he'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody for his bat flip. Man, he shouldn't. Braves took the opener 9-5. to Historic night for the Kings at the NHL draft. They selected Quentin Byfield out of Canada with a second overall pick. More importantly, Byfield is now the highest ever drafted black player in NHL history. You take care of me, I'll take care of you, all right? Houston's Russell Westbrook rewarded the housekeepers that took care of his room at the Grand Floridian during his time in the bubble. Westbrook left an $8,000 tip. That's pretty cool. He said the staff did its job at a high level, and this was the right thing for him to do. Well done, Russ. When you're a legacy project, those billions of dollars over budget, sometimes you are forced to tighten your budget, maybe cut a few corners. Stan Kroenke not only owns the Rams, he owns the Arsenal Soccer Club. To save a few bucks, Arsenal recently fired its mascot, Quintasaurus, after 27 years. Now, we know the job market can be tough, but try looking for work when you're a stumpy, soccer-loving dinosaur. He does know how to bake, and he knows how to make his bed. Too bad couldn't help Westbrook. Well, the thing that has so many supporters upset, Quintasaurus left the same day Arsenal spent about $70 million in transfer fees. However, there is a happy ending to this story. One of Arsenal's stars... Misut Azil said he will pay Gunner's salary, keeping him with the club. Congrats to Quintasaurus, and hopefully Rampage is taking notes. This has been the Sports Desk with Fred Rogan. The median sale price for homes nationwide has jumped 14% year over year, but that rate of growth could soon slow down. Right now, the median price of a home is $319,000. A Redfin report says that's the highest on record, but economists say there are some early signs we are nearing peak price growth. Retail credit card interest rates remain high despite the Fed cutting rates to nearly zero earlier this year. Many store credit card rates, especially those with the highest 
at nearly 30 percent have remained unchanged this year. New info from CreditCards.com found more than two in five U.S. adults have applied impulsively for a credit card at checkout, but experts say the balance on those cards can quickly outweigh any initial benefit. Well, California's budget deficit because of COVID-19 is now impacting Riverside County Court. The county has already had to close some courthouses, offer only emergency services at others, freeze hirings and reduce operating costs. And now, starting this month, Riverside Superior Court will close one day a month to save money. The court is bracing for a $12 million revenue shortfall this year. An effort today to increase voter participation, Ultimed hosted this voter registration event this morning at its location in Huntington Park. They helped people check their registration status and talked about the importance of voting in this election. From how to vote, when to vote, and what you're voting for, we have you covered. Check out the Decision 2020 section on our website, NBCLA.com. And up next on the NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, what Dr. Anthony Fauci is saying about President Trump's return to the White House and why the results of some of those rapid COVID tests are often wrong. Nightly News starts now. Tonight, President Trump all but ending hopes of more coronavirus relief money for Americans before the election while he is still battling the disease. The president abruptly calling off talks today with Democrats. It comes as nearly all the Pentagon's top officials have entered quarantine after a top military official tested positive. And Facebook and Twitter citing the president for spreading false claims about the disease. The president's doctor today reporting he's had no symptoms, but so many unanswered questions. The president saying he'll be at next week's debate against Joe Biden. But could he still be contagious by then? The move today by the FDA, why it makes a vaccine before Election Day nearly impossible. Our one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Fauci. Hurricane Delta rapidly strengthening into a Category 4 storm aiming at the U.S. Facebook banning conspiracy theory group QAnon. But does it need to do more to police its platform? Our exclusive, the former insider who recently resigned in protest. The white Texas police officer who shot an unarmed black man in Texas, now charged with murder. And the tributes pouring in for rock legend Eddie Van Halen. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. The White House, the center of power in America, is tonight a center of anxiety and misinformation. Tonight, as the count of COVID cases apparently linked to the White House grows, President Trump is again tweeting falsehoods about the danger of the virus, again likening it to the flu, even though he remains infected and infectious. Also tonight, many of the nation's top military leaders are in self-quarantine. And late today, the White House pulled the plug on COVID relief negotiations. A lot to tell you about. We start with Hallie Jackson, who has late developments. A contagious commander-in-chief at home and at risk of spreading both the virus and bad information. The president staying isolated, but not quiet. Tweeting today, he's pulling out of negotiations on a COVID relief bill until after the election. That sent markets into a spiral. Clearly, this is a huge shock to the system. We know millions of Americans are out of work and they're depending on another stimulus check. However, the, this isn't the end. What the president is announcing today could just be a negotiating tactic. Now, the COVID outbreak connected to the federal government intensifying. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff quarantining at home along with other service chiefs after a top Coast Guard official tested positive for the virus, according to three defense officials. 
A military valet to the president is also infected, and so are two more West Wing staffers, according to sources familiar with the diagnosis, meaning at least 17 people tied to the White House have tested positive, with workers in protective suits overnight spraying disinfectant. President Trump remains in the residence, already eyeing getting out, tweeting he plans to be at the next presidential debate in Miami just nine days away, only two weeks after he first started showing symptoms. The CDC says people can still infect others up to 20 days from when they start to feel sick as the president's doctors measure how much virus he's carrying. We should have a sense of when he is less infectious. We have to ask if the stress of a debate is really worth taking along with the infectious implications of that potentially to the people in the debate. The president and first lady both currently contagious working out of the residence where the White House says staff wear full personal protective equipment, have been tested daily if they're in contact with the first family, and can talk with a well-being consultant brought on to focus on mental health concerns. The patient in chief still downplaying the risks of COVID after sending a signal that horrified many medical experts by removing his mask on his return from the hospital last night. Today, incorrectly comparing COVID to the flu in an online post removed by Facebook and flagged by Twitter and suggesting after his own extraordinary experience with world-class medical care, quote, we are learning to live with the virus. Now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your life. And it is an insult to me and every single person who has gone through what I've gone through. Kristen Urquiza's father, Mark, died from COVID after, she says, listening to the president's recommendations. Would you say that your dad had a choice to let coronavirus dominate his life? No, my dad was the strongest person I know. And Hallie joins me now. Hallie, there's a new confirmed COVID case in the president's inner circle. What do you know? There is, Lester. Just moments ago, one of the top aides to President Trump, Stephen Miller, confirmed via a statement that he has tested positive for COVID and is now in quarantine. He's apparently been isolating for the last five days and had tested negative previously right up until yesterday. Lester. Hallie Jackson's out of the White House. Thanks. The FDA today imposed stricter standards for coronavirus vaccines making it unlikely a vaccine will be approved by Election Day in spite of the president's insistence that there likely would be. NBC's Kate Snow spoke with Dr. Anthony Fauci today about that and the mixed messages coming from the White House. Last night, the president again promising a COVID vaccine soon. The vaccines are coming momentarily. But today, the FDA released new stricter guidance for vaccine makers seeking approval. At least half of participants in trials must be followed for two months after their second dose, meaning a vaccine approved before Election Day is highly unlikely. I spoke with Dr. Anthony Fauci for a Cornell University event just prior to that news. The FDA is proposing stricter guidelines for approval of a COVID vaccine. Do you support that new FDA guidance? Oh, I definitely support the FDA. That, those, those guidances were put together by career scientists and regulators. Are you concerned that with talk about what the rules should be around vaccine trials, that Americans start to feel like it is politicized and start to think, I'm not going to take this thing when it comes out? Well, um, obviously, we've got to be careful when there's mixed messages and inconsistencies in messaging. Based on the trials underway, Fauci projects a vaccine could be distributed beginning late this year or early 2021. As for the president comparing COVID to the flu. The potential for what COVID can do is very, very much different 
from influenza. You don't get a pandemic that kills a million people, and it isn't even over yet with influenza. So it is not correct to say it's the same as flu. The president last night, as everyone saw, removed his mask. When he got back to the White House, he posed for photos. Then he shot a video. Don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. Is that the right message? Fauci avoided directly criticizing the president, but said this. There are some things that should be universally practiced, and that is the universal wearing of masks, avoiding crowds, keeping a distance, doing things outdoors more than indoors, and washing your hands frequently. That doesn't matter who you are. That's what you should be doing. He's concerned that cases are rising in many parts of the country and says the nation needs to be prepared for a very different holiday season. It's going to be like no holidays you've had before. You've just got to be careful. It's tough. It's not easy. It's tough. He's confident following science will eventually lead us back to normal. Kate Snow, NBC News. With President Trump recovering in the White House, Joe Biden had the campaign trail to himself today, appearing in Battleground, Pennsylvania. And he got a boost from former First Lady Michelle Obama. NBC's Garrett Haig has more tonight. Tonight, Joe Biden using this historic Gettysburg battlefield to frame the 28-day fight still to come. Today, we're engaged once again in the battle for the soul of the nation, the forces of darkness, the forces of the division, the forces of yesterday are pulling us apart, holding us down and holding us back. We must free ourselves of all of them. Biden never mentioned President Trump's name, as he also got help today from Michelle Obama in a rare campaign appearance. Right now, our country is in chaos because of a president who isn't up to the job. Biden opening a nearly 10-point national lead, according to the NBC News polling average, though the race is tighter in battleground states. With President Trump still recovering from COVID, last night Biden suggesting the president is to blame for contracting it. Look, anybody who contracts the virus by essentially saying masks don't matter, social distancing doesn't matter, I think is, is, is responsible for what happens to them. And also telling Lester he regretted his tone at the first debate. Would you shut up, man? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. It seemed to go against some of the language you've said about, you know, not being divisive. Do you regret any part on your part? It did. I should have said this is a clownish undertaking instead of calling him a clown. And we're now just one day away from the highly anticipated vice presidential debate. Both candidates are in Utah preparing, and both campaigns say their candidates have tested negative for coronavirus today. Lester? All right, Garrett Hank, thank you. In the Caribbean, Hurricane Delta strengthened into an extremely dangerous Category 4 storm today with the U.S. Gulf Coast in its sights. Let's bring in Al Roker with the latest. Al? Lester, it is now a strong Category 4, taking aim right now on Mexico. 145 mile per hour winds moving west-northwest at 17, makes landfall sometime tomorrow as a devastating Category 4. Out into the Gulf, re-intensifies as a Category 4 storm, making landfall along the Louisiana coast sometime late Friday night, early Saturday. The European model a little to the west, but as you can see, Lester, from Galveston to New Orleans, we have the risk of this storm making landfall. We do know anywhere from 5 to 10 inches of rain, and that may increase as time moves on. An update coming up tomorrow morning on the Today Show. Lester. 
Yeah, what a storm season this has been, Al. Thank you. In the small Texas town of Wolf City, northeast of Dallas, calls for justice heard as a white police officer is charged with murder after shooting a black man during an incident at a convenience store. Morgan Chesky is there tonight. Tonight, the first step in a Texas family's plea for justice. My son didn't deserve this. He helped everybody in this community. Jonathan Price's mother today, after hearing the police officer who shot and killed her son Saturday night, was arrested and is now charged with murder. Mr. Price was unarmed. He was non-aggressive and he had his hands up. Witnesses say Price was trying to break up a domestic dispute at a gas station. Tonight, the Texas Rangers shedding new light on the fatal encounter, saying in a statement, Officer Lucas attempted to detain Price, who resisted in a non-threatening posture and began walking away. Investigators confirm witness accounts of what happened next, saying Lucas deployed his taser on Price in this gas station parking lot, then drew his service weapon, firing on Price, who died in a nearby hospital. The Rangers say their preliminary investigation shows the actions of Officer Lucas were not objectionably reasonable. The district attorney not commenting on the facts of the case amid the ongoing investigation. Support for the family now pouring into this small town. Hundreds gathering last night to honor Jonathan's life with peaceful calls for justice. Price described as a pillar of his community. The 31-year-old worked for the city and as a personal trainer, choosing to move back home from Dallas to help his mother. With that police officer now behind bars, what does justice mean for you? Don't let him out. Price's mother now calling for Officer Lucas to face justice. And just let him feel the pain that I'm feeling. And tonight, Officer Lucas remains behind bars. His bail set at a million dollars. The police union says it's monitoring this ongoing investigation. And so far, NBC News has not been able to locate an attorney. Lester. All right, Morgan, thank you. In just 60 seconds, with the COVID crisis in the White House, our in-depth look at those rapid diagnostic tests, their accuracy, their limitations, and just how they should be used. search for solutions tonight growing questions about the type of covid rapid tests the white house uses as the outbreak at the highest levels of our government increases many are wondering how accurate these tests really are here's stephanie gosk at least 12 that's how many attendees at the white house supreme court ceremony have now tested positive for covid among them university of notre dame's president who later described what happened that day a medical professional took me to an exam room to obtain a nasal swab for a rapid COVID-19 test, he writes. We were notified that we had all tested negative, 
and were told it was safe to remove our masks. Father John Jenkins was given the Abbott Rapid ID Now test. Results in minutes. It does not need to go to a lab. But in May, the FDA warned Abbott's test could return false negative results, especially in asymptomatic people, a risk with all rapid tests. The test that you do right then and there does not detect down to the lower levels of virus that you have earlier in your disease. Abbott says its rapid ID now test is 95% accurate within a week of symptoms. The White House did not return NBC News's request for comment. There are now 12 rapid tests authorized for use by the FDA. The president announcing a new Abbott test just last week that only costs $5. Results in 15 minutes. These new Abbott rapid point of care tests are easy to use. The government is buying 150 million. Still, the FDA warns that a negative result does not rule out infection. So why bother with rapid testing? It's not going to be perfect. Uh, it will miss some people, but the important thing is it will catch many people who are infectious at the time. Sarah Poland runs a soup business in D.C. How do you handle a negative result? I mean, does that mean everyone inside your workplace throws off their masks and says, we're good? Oh, my gosh, no. And I think we've learned from what's happened in the White House. A negative result does not mean you're in the clear. Her employees have been getting PCR tests, which are sent off to labs and can take days. It's a very expensive test that takes longer and longer to give results. Why not use a test that's cheaper and can be administered, I don't know, three, four times a week? A test that is not foolproof, but still useful, possibly helping small businesses like hers safely stay open. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News. And up next for us tonight, Facebook, disinformation and hate. Troubling new claims from some insiders. Love Jersey Mike subs? Love them times 12 with our new catering box. Packed full of a dozen individually wrapped subs. They're yours for the sharing. Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. Your mission. Stand up to moderate to severe rheumatoid arthritis and take it on with Rinzo. Invoke a once daily pill can dramatically improve symptoms.